G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. The story. About 10 years ago, I was sitting in a food court with my two young boys and they observed a gentleman going around to the tables and taking the food that people had left there. And my youngest son, who would have been 14 at the time, got up, got his meal and took it over to the gentleman. He came back and I said, oh, that was lovely, mate. And I offered to buy him a meal and he, he said to me, that gentleman was going to go without a meal, so I can go without a meal. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, Gitta Clayton and Phil Belay, though, are joining us to share the events in their lives that have shaped them into who they are today. Now, even though they have been on completely different life journeys, they both have a heart for helping marginalised people and both serve at the Winter Shelter Program for Homeless People. Gitta is the director and Phil as a volunteer. Today, we'll hear their stories and how they came to serve at the program on the east side of Melbourne. And parents, we just want to let you know that because of some of the adult themes that will be discussed, today's program is not recommended for young children. Gitta Clayton and Phil Belay, though, are having a chat with Eric Scadabo in our Melbourne studios. Gitta and Phil, welcome to the program. Thank you, Eric. Thank you. Glad to have you with us, and we want to find out your stories today and what led you to be involved in this program. First, we'll start off with you, Gitta. Um, thank you, Eric. It's um, probably not the easiest journey that I've had. 1953, my parents migrated to Australia from Germany mm-hmm. with my with my. Does that sister. explain the name Gitta? That's right, Eric, it does. German? It's a German name, yes. Indeed. So, yeah, my, my parents migrated out in 1953 from East Germany, along with my sister as well. We, um, I, was, I was born in Melbourne a few years later, and eventually we moved to a very small country town called Pyramid Hill. Um, my mother was never very happy in Australia. She didn't learn to oh, speak really? English. Oh, okay. Well, um, that, that and my father was speaking English and he was working, so it was quite hard for her. In 1967... We had a car accident, which was not my father's fault. It was just myself and my parents in the car. My mm-hmm. sister was married by then and living away from home. And that car accident caused the death of my, my mother. I was only 11 years old. Oh, were you close to your mother? Yes, I was, yeah. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I don't remember a lot. I think probably because of the bad the bad oh, memories, that yeah. a lot of it's been forgotten or blocked out, but... Mm-hmm. Um, I then went back to, to Pyramid Hill to live with my father. I didn't really have a choice to go anywhere else and unfortunately endured many years of abuse mm. by him. He, he remarried within 12 months to a lady who also really didn't have time for a, a precocious 11-year-old daughter mm. and eventually I was sent off to boarding school in Melbourne at MLC. The, the good part about that was that I was surrounded by a lot of other young women who had come from probably dysfunctional households and difficulties. So it was, um, it was a good thing for me and made me become much more independent. Mm. And 
was Christianity a part of your childhood at all? Christianity was a part of my childhood when we were in the t- in the country town, but in Pyramid Hill. But really, just to the extent of going to uh, Sunday school and making my confirmation there as well. It didn't have a lot of meaning to me then, and mm-hmm. I think really that's because of what I was going through oh, yeah. at the time. It was just more of an escape to get away and be with other people. Well, I'm just listening to your story. You went through a lot at a young age. I mean, the trauma of I losing did. your mother. I did. It was the, it was very difficult. And being yeah. abused. Yeah, it was hard. I, I wasn't yeah. even allowed to attend her funeral. I remember being really? left at someone's home who I didn't even know at the time. So I've thought about it a lot recently, actually, yeah. that I really never had a chance to grieve properly. Mm-hmm. So I went off to boarding school for my last three years at MLC. We MLC? Had, Methodist Ladies College. Mm-hmm. Well, some point people called it Mugs Last Chance, actually. <laughs> well, why, why would they call it that? I don't know, just to make fun of it, I oh, okay. think. It was, a, it, was a, it was a big school mm-hmm. and certainly something very different from what I had come from. But, but a boarding school, so it's pretty depersonalized? It's an institution? It, yeah, it is. But you also become quite a family there because, as I mentioned, there was oh. a lot of girls that had come from difficult backgrounds mm-hmm. or international students who were there for the whole year didn't even get to go home during the school holidays. So mm-hmm. you became a family. So was it a positive experience for you? It was a positive experience. Oh, okay. And it was something that I think I, I, I did actually need in the end to become independent, which is what I, I really needed to, to do as I got, as I got yeah, a bit but older. Usually people don't become independent at 13 14 years old, mm, you I had guess, to. Well, I didn't have much choice, really, Eric. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, church at MLC meant assemblies in the morning, and then for us as boarders, we had to go to a 20-minute chapel service after school. And all that was just boring to you? It was super boring. And then mo- <laughs> and then Sundays, we had to walk off to um, 150 of us in white dresses and uh, straw hats and school shoes and gloves, we would have to walk to a neighbouring church for a full service and then again in the evening at our own chapel. So it, was it safe to say that spirituality, Christianity, at that point, your experience, it was just something you had to do? It didn't really It was just something I had to do heart. and it, it, none of us, I don't think many of us enjoyed it particularly. Something I joined the borders, the borders Choir, but I think we all joined the Borders Choir because the food was really good because we got supper. <laughs> Very spiritual. <laughs> But none of none of the sermons made any sense or oh, relate. Really? They nothing related to everyday huh. life in those days. Yeah. I'm going back to like in the in the mid to late seventies. Mm-hmm. But it was yeah, I really didn't get anything out of it at okay, all. Okay, so at that no time. deep spiritual experiences. Not then at all. No, Just not then. Taking a box, something you had to do. Yeah, absolutely. I'll okay. be quite honest about that. That's mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. And then yeah, I, I finished my year twelve, and wanted to go to teacher's college, but my father made things difficult and wouldn't sign paperwork for me to be able to get financial assistance. By then, he realised I was becoming quite assertive and probably worried that I was going to speak up. So he just totally oh. cut me off. Mm-hmm. Um, I, made, I just made a career change and studied something else instead. That was in Bendigo. And then I eventually came to the big smoke of Melbourne with a girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. I nursed here for nursed in Melbourne for a while. Then met my then husband, mm-hmm. and in 1983, we got married. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1984, he sustained an acquired brain injury as a result of a serious motorbike accident. Oh, my goodness. So yet another trauma in your mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. I, I'm s- Certainly, there were times I questioned why on earth were all these things happening yeah. to me. Yeah. So again, there was no... 
sort of feeling of there's a God out there looking after me because I think I was just too busy trying to survive, actually. Mm. It was hard. If anything, you were thinking the reverse. Um, God, maybe so. Aren't you looking after me? Yeah, I, I probably was mm. really. We being being the carer that I am, because that's just me. Mm-hmm. I thought I can make this work, even though I brought home a completely different person to who I married. Yeah, we yeah. Went, let me let me just mm. see if I'm understanding this. You fall in love, you get married, and then your husband gets in a, a motorcycle accident, and he has an acquired brain injury. What did that mean on a practical day to day? The, um, it wasn't just a brain injury, it was also a lot of physical injury, so he, he really had to learn how to walk and talk and feed himself and toilet himself. So you became himself. his carer? I did for some time That's... until he was able enough to be mobile enough, mm-hmm. but his personality changed. Oh, yeah? He, How so? He would have a lack of emotions, mm-hmm. he would say inappropriate things. You know, we might have visitors over and he could say, gee, you've stacked on the weight, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> so or he so just, a little tactless. Was a bit tactless. <laughs> or he'd just go around turning the lights off when he decided he wanted to go to bed, even though the visitors were still there. <laughs> yeah, it could cause some problems there on the social life there. But that was all as a result of the injury. It was as a mm-hmm. result of the injury. and But for the boys as they grew up, it was difficult to have this quirky father who mm-hmm. said embarrassing things. I mean, parents say embarrassing things oh, anyway, but yeah, this, we, was, we, this, we is, this was worse. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So... But I'm just saying, looking at what you've gone through, you didn't even hardly get past the honeymoon period and all of a sudden... That's true. You kind of got the rug pulled out from underneath mm. you and had a whole different path. Yeah, that's true. Mm. Yeah. But down the road from me, we were living in Mount Waverley, mm-hmm. lived Bill and Jenny Brown. Yes, I should say Bill Brown was a past guest on the program. One of my first guests on this program, by the way. Mm. Great guy. And Bill at that stage was the senior pastor at Sindel mm-hmm. Baptist yep. Church. And we used to joke that I we had actually wanted to buy his house before we bought ours, but he beat us to it. <laughs> I got to know them more so as friends, though, mm-hmm. before the church. And then I... Just my, as neighbours. As, yeah, just mm-hmm. as neighbours yeah. and, and friends. We had quite a bit to do with each other. He realised the difficulties of what it was like for me living with my husband. Mm-hmm. And yeah, eventually my children started attending playgroup and youth groups mm-hmm. and all sorts of activities there, and I would float in and out of going to church there as well. Yeah, so now, years later, this is, you're an adult, yeah. and uh, you're going to church again? I saw church very differently then, mm-hmm. Eric. In fact, I remember quite clearly listening to one of Bill's sermons, and I can't remember what it was about now, but the impact that it had on me was that he spoke about everyday life. He related mm-hmm. things that were happening. Mm-hmm. That I could, I, you know, you could say, oh, yeah, I, that actually happened to me last yeah. week or I saw that. And I thought, wow, what a difference. Somebody's talking mm-hmm. sense now <laughs> and I can relate to this and it's enjoyable to listen yeah. to. Yeah. And, and, I, and you knew him personally. So I you knew, knew him personally as well. So you talking about something. No, that's right. He lived it. Yeah. So that was a completely different church Very different. Christian experience. It was. And we, we held small group back mm-hmm. at our home for the boys' friends as well. They were all young boys that came, so they'd eat me out of house and home, but it was terrific. <laughs> um, our house was probably always a house of revolving doors where anybody was welcome, and I guess that's just how we, we I was and how my boys have grown up to be as well. So would you say that your faith gradually grew over time while you were attending there? My faith did gradually improve over that time as a result of... Bill and Jenny and Sindel mm-hmm. Baptist, and I started going to a small, like a home group, mm-hmm. and got to know people through that. I'm still really good friends with one of those friends 
who actually accommodated my youngest son and I while we were looking for another house when our mar- when my marriage broke up. Mm-hmm. And at that stage, I was working for an organisation with migrants and refugees, loved my job, but then hundreds of us became redundant. Um, I had been there for nearly 20 years at that time, and I had a, cr- a change of job. I didn't think I'd end up where I was, but I'm working at Croydon Hills Baptist Church in community engagement there for what's called Croydon Hills Community Care, and so attend that church. Mm-hmm. And so you, as you mentioned, you worked for 18 years with migrants and refugees. So that's a part of your whole story, helping out people in need, especially people from overseas. It is. And I think because I could see how difficult it had been for my mother too, coming Mm -hmm. from another country and Mm -hmm. not really wanting to be in that other country either, but she couldn't speak any English at all, the difficulties for her. Oh, yeah. So you have gone through somebody who was struggling in that area. That's right. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And so... Unfortunately, that position came to an end. I, I take it you really enjoyed that position. I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was wonderful. Really, really enjoyed it. I've always loved working with volunteers, particularly seeing the difference teams of volunteers or just one volunteer can make in the life of somebody else. Okay, and then you started to work with refugees again. That's right, because at um, Croydon Hills Baptist, we've got a big Karen. Uh, community. Mm-hmm. The Karen. They're from the country of Myanmar? That's right, though we still refer to it as Burma, but Myanmar is the correct name these days, and the Karen are an ethnic I have a hard group. enough time just remembering the names of countries, much <laughs> less the politically correct one. Yeah. But so we have quite a few that attend the church. And there's different ethnic groups within the country. That's right. But there's the Karen, many, many. How are they unique? Probably the, the area that they live in, they're over on the Thai side more so, so mm-hmm. therefore all the refugee camps are on the Thai side of um, the border. There's There are some on the Burma side as well. And I'm actually a director of a, a charity called Sharing Hope oh, okay. where we raise funds for people over there. Mm-hmm. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but deep in the recesses of my mind, I think I remember that there is a Christian heritage among the Karen. Oh, that, yes, and the Chin as well. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Which is one of the reasons they're persecuted in their own country oh, because right? it's a military government and mm-hmm. um and and they're they're Buddhist. Mm-hmm. They don't want to have the Christians there, nor do they want them to speak their first language. They want them to speak Burmese. Oh, okay. And so you're working there at Croydon Hills Baptist Church. That's right. In that position, and that kind of takes us up to the start of the winter shelter. Yes, that's right. You're listening to The Story. Our guests today are Gitta Clayton and Phil Belitho, who both have a heart for helping marginalised people and both serve at the Winter Shelter Program for Homeless People. Gitta is the director and Phil as a volunteer. We'll hear more of their stories when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. Our guests today are Gitta Clayton and Phil Belitho, who both serve at the Winter Shelter Program for Homeless People on the east side of Melbourne. Before the break, we heard Gitta's story and the events in her life that have shaped her into who she is today. Next, it's Phil's turn to share his story as they continue their chat with Eric Scatterbone. 
Yeah, I grew up in Frankston. Mm-hmm. We attended Church of Christ in Frankston. Mm-hmm. From memory, we went to a few different churches. I think there was Monterey Baptist. Um, so we went to church and went to Sunday school. So, so a positive, positive, yeah, it home was. life. It was, yeah. As as I got older, sort of one moment happened in my life where um, I was about thirteen, and. It was on my birthday where I'd had a couple of mates over and we went down the cricket nets to have a bit of a hit because we were going to go out to the movies afterwards. Mm. And a group of a lot older guys were on the way to a party and they decided that, you know, we were young brats and we shouldn't be using the cricket nets. And being the tallest person, I was the the person that they went for because they thought somehow they could justify going for Mm. the tallest person. So... Uh, I dislocated. They dislocated my knee, and uh, wow, they beat you guys up, or are you just you? just me? Oh, yeah. Wow. yeah. Which was was very tough because I'm watching my mates, thinking, "Please, can you step in? Can you step in?" But mm. they, they were young. They were yeah. young too, yeah. and they were frightened, as frightened as so I was. So these guys just for no real New, reason, yeah, for just no decided reason. to pick on you, pick on me. Mm. So, um, which was very tough mm. because it, yeah. Um, it knocks down your self-confidence and yeah. so forth. So they managed to get me back home, which mm. was good. Uh, so you were seriously injured? Well, yeah, dislocated kneecap and been hit a few times. Mm. And um, I think in the end, one, when they did, they knew what they were doing when they dislocated the knee. So, mm. um, But beyond the physical injuries, this had a wound psychologically as well? Yeah, it did because my parents decided not to go to the police or not to report the incident. Mm. Which affected me long term of feeling worthy of them not reporting it. I, I wanted them to report it to the police, but they yep. thought, "Oh, well, you've got to live in this area. Um, worse things might happen." Well, well, for whatever reason, for whatever they decided reason, yeah. to not report it. But not report that communicated it. to you. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that oh, I'm not even important enough to. No, so that. Yeah, that's kind of how you felt? That's how yeah. I felt, yeah, mm. and sort of carried on through life. It's one of those things that's hard to get rid of. Mm. Um, that's, a, that's a lasting impact, and, and physically your your knee still bothers you? Yeah, so it's a non-stop uh, mm. problem. So I've had several operations on the knee because mm. I think back in those days they didn't do things that well so mm. to repair it. So Eventually you drifted away from your childhood upbringing of the Christian faith? Is I that did, right? yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, slowly drifted. Look, Mum and Dad stopped going to church. Oh, they did too. Yes, mm-hmm. but they, they still very strong faith, and mm. um, up until today, you know, still have a, a very strong faith. Mm. Um, it was just something that church um, they didn't go to. They, mm. they they didn't have a lot of friends. They just kept to themselves, mm. and um, so that 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 was tough growing up in. So I started work. I left school. Um, because I, I didn't feel I belonged there either. So I, I started work when I was seventeen, got an mm-hmm. apprenticeship as you mm-hmm. do, and cabinet making. So it's mm-hmm. what I've done my whole life. And, and how has that worked out? Yeah, I've only ever had two bosses, so I've <laughs> I've worked you know twenty years basically at each job, um, which I enjoy. I enjoy mm-hmm. doing. I've you know travelled a bit, and it's been a great job for so, me. Fulfillment so fulfilment in your career. It has. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've loved loved doing mm-hmm. it. Yeah. It's been great. So. But uh, on a personal level, relationships, how did that go? Yeah, not great. I, mm. I, I have a bit of a syndrome, I think it's called the white knight, which is I, I think that like I can rescue res- people. Rescue people. And um, at an early age, I think. But I mean, that can obviously be a good thing, you know, rescuing people. That's why white knights are looked upon in a favorable light. But you're saying yeah. it wasn't that healthy. No. No, sometimes I think. I want more for people 
than they want for themselves. Oh, that's that's a good point because I mean you can only help people so much. At some point, that's right. They have to. Yeah, and that's been know. a common problem through my yeah. whole life is is not forcing on them what I want for them, mm. but just what yeah. they want. Yeah, um, and especially I'm thinking of like in an addiction or alcoholism. Yeah. If the person doesn't want to change, you know, you can try to no. help them as no. much as you want. No, they have to want to get that's help. Right. Go that's right. Go to the AA meetings, etc. So forth. Yeah. So. So, Tell us about your, your first marriage. So I, I got married at 21, mm-hmm. um, which was very, very early. Um, my parents got married at that, that age, so it was sort of a bit of a role model, I think. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, I, I'm looking at uh, the notes you sent me. Yep. You say, I moved out of home as I felt smothered by my parents' Christian beliefs. Yeah, and, and, and I'm not sure whether that was an actual fact, but, but that's how I felt. That's how I felt, as though I was restricted in what I could do in life the friends that I could um, keep. Mm. Um, yeah, so I just felt as though I had to get out mm. to breathe at times. Um, was it uh, maybe legalistic, a lot of rules, do's and don'ts? Yeah, yeah. it's just I think the impact that they they were just, that they're just such beautiful people that wouldn't say a word wrong or wouldn't do anything wrong. And I found I found the pressure of their relationship very hard. Because they were just perfect. Oh, in so like, many like ways. you had to try to live up to that. Yeah. Is that the, oh, okay. Yeah. And it's always been that way. That you know, it's been hard to live up to. Oh, um, I see. How good, you know, how magnificent people they are. Because they they were always helping people, whether it be family mm-hmm. or whether it be anybody. They, so that that's part of your heritage, helping people. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what they've shown me what to do is to. You see someone in need, and that'd be changing tyres or getting huntsmen's out of cars for people, or you know <laughs> things like that in shopping centres, uh, which is a fantastic thing. You know, yeah, that's what I was shown to do. So, but interesting uh, that 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 normally you would, that's kind of a positive thing. But it is. It kind yeah. of put pressure on you. That's interesting. Yeah, I just felt and you just wanted to pressure. get away from that. Yes. Yeah, I just wanted to. I probably wanted to find out who I was. Hmm. And then at 35, you find yourself divorced. Well, well I had two beautiful boys. Oh, yeah, we first. should. Yeah, yes. of course. Yeah. So Great boys. So you are a parent? A parent, yes. And you got custody of the children? No, I got part, okay. half and half. Mm-hmm. Um, so I became a sort of weekend father. So Okay. Um, which was terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't like being alone. And so the weekends I didn't have my kids were just horrible. Um because so, I, I wanted to be a dad. I wanted to be the dad that my dad was, mm. you know. So that, and suddenly that, uh, you're only seeing them part of the time. I was only seeing them, yeah, say mm. about 50%, mm-hmm. yes, which is tough, very tough. And I take it you're not the kind of person who likes to live alone? No, no. Like to have companionship? I do, yes, yes. I like to be with people. But sometimes well, yeah. that can lead to uh, making unwise decisions with yeah, that be fair to say? Yeah. So I, I made another unwise decision and uh, met someone that had a, had an addiction. Hmm. Um, and here I am, the white knight, thinking that I could fix her. You know, I, I was the one that could change her life. Hmm. And it just never worked that way. You know, I would put her in rehabs. I would do this. Um, but kind of like what we were saying earlier. That's right. You can try all you want at the end of the day. Yes. They have to want to change. Yes. And it, it it was a very abusive, physically and mentally relationship. But so now you are a tall guy, what six five? Six five, yeah, yep. 
and being mentally or verbally abused. Yeah, verbally abused and hit with whether it be a fry pan or whether it be a fry you know, pan. woken oh. up in the middle of the night because I'd be in another room. Um, it became I became a carer, mm. and I didn't want to fail. That was the thing. Mm. I couldn't let my parents down again. I'd already had a divorce, mm. so I just didn't I didn't want to fail. So I just stuck with it and stuck with it, mm. um, even though it was obviously a, a very dysfunctional relationship. Yes, it was. It was. Mm. I just would. I kept her alive, basically. Really, a lot of you know suicide attempts and. Mm. so forth unfortunately for her it's just sad that someone has to live like that it's not fair but for whatever reason she never no recovered or no no. got over the alcohol addiction no no she never did so and sadly she eventually took her own life she did yes because which which hurts a lot because so many times there was quite a few times where i would stop her from doing that but i just never got that chance Mm. um it was basically i had to I had to do something for myself mm. and live my own life rather than just a carer. So mm. um, I had to make that move. So you are no stranger to going through trauma and no. loss. No. And the irony, of course, is that your heart is to help, but it's not working out, it sounds like, up to this point. Up until that point, yeah. yeah. Okay, that was part one of our conversation with Phil Belitho and Gitta Clayton, who both serve at the Winter Shelter Program for Homeless People on the east side of Melbourne. Phil is a volunteer and Gitta is the director. We'll hear more of their stories and how they came to serve at the Winter Shelter next time. Meanwhile, if you'd like to learn more about the program, their website is wintershelter.org. Once again, that's wintershelter.org.au. Finally, we'll end with a verse from the book of Proverbs. Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they have done. Well, until next time, when we'll hear part two of our conversation with Gitta Clayton and Phil Belitho, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. There was a guy that came to stay. He was just out of prison. He kept to himself a fair bit and really didn't want to get into any of the chit-chat at dinner, didn't really want to talk to the other guys. But slowly he started to open up more about his story and what he'd done, why he'd ended up in prison. The very last night of the program, I can remember him saying, come on, everybody, group hug. Gitta Clayton and Phil Belay, though, have both gone through traumatic experiences in their lives and both can relate to going through rough times. This helps them in their roles helping homeless people at the Winter Shelter Program. We'll hear more of their stories next time. The Story. Just another way Vision is helping you look to God daily. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 